Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Money FM 89.3. Good evening. It is drive time with Elliot Danka, Timothy Go, and Chua Tian It's time now for Market View, uh, where in a while we'll talk about AI chips, who makes the best, and who wants to buy them. For now, a quick recap of how we started the day. That's right, Elliot. So Singapore shares opened high today following significant gains in global markets. Now, we saw mount U.S. inflation data that spurred positive sentiment of a possible pause in interest rate hikes. So in early trade, the Straits Times Index was up 0.3% to 3,197 points. Some 73 million securities changed hands in the broader market. Now, off to the closing numbers, the benchmark STI closed up 0.9%. We're looking at 3,200. Points. In terms of value turnover, that's $1.28 billion. Gainers outnumbered losers, 347 versus 214. Top advances for today, Shangri-La Hong Kong Dollars, New Incorporation USD and Jardin Psycho and Carriage. Top decliners, Southern Packaging Group, DigiLife Tech and Southern Alliance. Now elsewhere from China, increasing oil import quota to the latest US inflation numbers and to Amazon Web Services, considering using AI chips from AMD international headlines continue to be in focus. So uh, let's break down the international news with Ken Shi, head of wealth management Greater China at Sexo Markets. Ken, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Always a pleasure being on your show. Great to have you on board as well. And Ken, let's start with the Singapore stock market as usual. How did the STI fare today? Any surprises when it comes to the biggest movers? Yeah, I think uh, this is the uh, the most clear thing is that clearly no big surprises today. Uh, I mean, to me, I think it's very clear that the FBI is kind of mirroring what happened overnight in the U.S. market and pretty much, I think, what's happening today around Asia. Everyone's pretty much in a wait-and-see mode. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does seem like at least a rate pause might be in the cards tonight uh, with the U.S. Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe if I look at the FBI a little bit closer, I mean, obviously the, the the sectors that outperformed today were more in the consumer space, probably up three to four percent. Technology also up about close to three uh, percent. But beyond that, I think uh, maybe energy and retail was a little more muted. But as you said correctly early on, vast majority of the stocks today in the STI were up. Uh, so that's always a good sign. Uh, Ken, uh, I want to focus on the greater China markets because I know that's one of your specialties. Uh, China, of course, uh, unexpectedly cutting one of its key short-term policy rates. So the bigger question there is the impact of these rate cuts. Has it has it actually filtered through the stock market yet? Yeah, I think uh, the short answer is is that there has been impact, but it's not material at this point. Uh, but I think maybe what we can say is, you know, with greater China, things really happen overnight, right? Um, having said that, I think you know, if we do a little bit of a recap, we can say that uh, particularly for Chinese equities, really started off the year quite strong. And clearly everyone was betting on the Chinese reopening play uh, to kind of fuel the economy. But I, I, but I think to be very honest, I don't think this technically has panned out, uh, mainly because particularly after Q1, we really saw the Chinese economy slow down significantly. At least the numbers were a bit soft, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we look at the return numbers year to date, I mean, you know, U.S. markets, S&P 500 up about 10 percent. But, um, you know, Chinese CSI index uh, down a little bit, I think down uh, less than 0.2. And then Hong Kong Hang Seng index is uh, down about 1.4. So the underperformance is, uh, is quite significant. But I think important to point out to your listeners is that I think beyond like kind of broad market stimulus, one area that the Chinese uh, government probably needs to probably uh, provide more support is really in the real estate 
base because the two sectors that were the big growth sectors for the economy was in technology and real estate, but both of them clearly had received headwinds over the past uh, few years. So I think, um, you know, when we look at the uh, overall home sale numbers, it's still pretty weak. So I think a lot of uh, work still needs to be done ahead. But what we can gather from what the Chinese government is uh, communicating is potentially more tax breaks ahead, maybe even more pro-growth initiatives. So I think for now, what we're doing is really closely monitoring the market because there definitely could be some um, wind in the sail ahead, I would put it that way. Let's uh, talk about oil import, uh, Ken. The uh, Chinese is increasing up to 20% their oil imports from last year. What kind of impact will this have uh, on Chinese refineries? Yeah, I, I think um, obviously the, what we've seen in oil prices over the past day or two is it's really kind of had a bit of an uplift, right? So the idea was obviously they would um, uh, the new uh, crude oil import quotas would kind of that's got a little bit of pessimism over the demand in the market. Uh, and what we've seen is Brent crude right now is, what, 75 uh, US dollars a barrel. I think WTI is about 70. Um, so I think this has kind of improved the outlook for the consumption, mm-hmm. uh, particularly uh, after I think the risk appetite also improved. So I think looking ahead, uh, I think this is actually quite positive uh, for the oil industry and bodes well for the Chinese refineries. But what I mentioned to investors is clearly – uh, when we think of medium to long term ahead, we always talk about the uh, transition to green energy and its impact on fossil fuels. Mm. Um, and even though at Saxo we're very positive on green energy, we remind investors to be realistic about the speed at which this is happening. Because I think um, markets and overall investors probably are kind of overestimating this. So with that said, I think this naturally creates some uh, overlooked opportunities, particularly in the energy space, uh, which may even just be profitable if we remain at current oil prices, let alone if we see uplift ahead. Mm, talk about that. We've seen some new developments from Shell as well uh, due to that sluggish performance from the renewable mm. site. Uh, but since you're based in Hong Kong, Ken, let's, let us just sidetrack a little because uh, we understand Hong Kong will ease uh, entry rules to bring in some 27,000 foreign workers. This to, of course, stem a manpower shortage. Uh, what are you seeing right now on the ground, actually? Yeah, so I think because this was just announced a day ago, it's probably mm. a little bit early to tell, given the news. Um, yeah. But I think uh, if I look at the news closer, right, so the main sectors they're addressing are mainly in the construction sector and mm. also in the aviation sector, which is quite clear there is a labor shortage. Uh, but I think, you know, having grown up in Hong Kong and seen a couple different uh, exodus cycles in Hong Kong or mm. migration cycles, although the reasons are a bit different this time, um, I think it was clear to me that those willing to stay would be kind of rewarded with outside opportunities. So, mm. you know, as a city, growing up in the city, you know, I continue to still actually see quite a lot of opportunity and really beauty in the city as well. So I think um, for the time being, hopefully they can address some of these shortages, but I'm still actually very positive on the city, um, medium to long term. Mm, all right. If you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Ken Shi, Head of Wealth Management, Greater China at Sexo Markets. And uh, Ken, I know you also look at the VC scene or VC investing mm-hmm. scene from time to time. HSBC Holdings is apparently seeking to become a leading bank for VC firms and startups globally after building a large team of tech bankers in the US, Hong Kong and Israel. Your thoughts on this uh, amid a time where deal values are down? Yeah, so I think there's two sides of this coin I wanted mm. to address. Um, obviously, you know, this is, a, I think, is a step in the right direction in terms of uh, HSBC taking over the, uh, the UK uh, uh, arm of Silicon Valley Bank and yeah. kind of relaunching itself recently at the HSBC Innovation Banking Division. 
but a couple questions in my mind, particularly from a banking perspective. The first question is actually as a kind of a global giant of a bank, uh, and again, it could be any bank, uh, are they really best suited to handle venture investing? Because mm-hmm. clearly the interests of the bank and their approach will be quite inherently different versus a kind of a, a smaller, more nimble uh, type investing arm as uh, earlier from Silicon Valley Bank. And the second thing I, I will probably ask is, Clearly, uh, as you mentioned, the kind of investment climate is very different than a few years ago, right? Where they were very flush with cash, both startups and VCs were both flush with cash a couple of years ago, and there's growth at all costs. But clearly, that's, that's, that song has gone way out the window already. Um, but, I, but I think what we do see is now a concentration in certain sectors in terms of opportunities. Like the clear one that jumps out is clearly AI, right? Mm-hmm. Clearly, that has a lot, a lot of attention and um, valuations have run up significantly. But I think particularly we take one step back and look from an investor angle. I think there is a silver lining. And the silver lining is if we think from a VC or private equity PE standpoint, the best vintage vintages, which is the investment years by the private equity, usually by investor, are when times are challenging, and mm-hmm. the invest uh, and the PE firm is able to find investable companies on the cheap, which mm-hmm. they can flip three, five, seven years down the road. So actually, I, I think from the investor standpoint, this is probably quite positive. But from the banking standpoint, I'm a bit no so so. Okay. And from Asia, let's head over to the U.S. and talk about AI, Ken. Uh, Amazon's mm-hmm. cloud unit said it's considering using AMD's new AI chips. And in the meantime, we're seeing some developments uh, from Meta's side as well. The chief scientist from Meta said yesterday that generative AI was already at a dead end. is proposing uh, new AI resembling human rationality. Well, a lot of technical terms here, but uh, what stood out to you so far? <laughs> Uh, so, so what I sense, actually, even just from the question, is we are in the very early days of AI. Yeah. Right? We're clearly at this point, we're not even clear about how we define AI and the opportunity mm. it involves this. And so, so, right now, a lot of times in the media or in the news or even amongst general conversation, we're clumping everything AI related together, yeah. uh, which I think there should be some nuance. Uh, for example, just a simple distinction between what we call AI or AGI, right? So, mm. artificial general. So, so AI is kind of the process of making, like, let's say, a computer system that can do things normally a human would do, but it's more specific task-driven, and um, it, it will kind of speed up and make things more efficient, right? Whereas when you talk about, like, um, uh, artificial general intelligence, that's actually a different level where the machine has an ability to kind of understand or learn some intellectual task that a, new, a human normally can. So I think we're really just scratching the surface at this point. Uh, and because of the result of everything clumping together, I think that's why we see, in this, particularly in the stock markets, where everything with the name AI or has an exposure to AI run up so much, right? Um, I think some early figures were like uh, uh, this year in 2023 alone, uh, 80 plus percent of the rally so far in this year has been AI. Yeah, um, so probably says to me, as I've been in the market for quite some time, probably no different from the late 90s when any company with dot-com stuff is probably was valued higher as well. Um, so I think, you know, going forward, I think people will understand the nuance much more. But for the time being, clearly there's a lot of excitement behind this. Hmm. And just one quick one before we let you go, Ken. The U.S. Consumer sure. Price Index up 4% on year in May, which is the smallest advance since May 2021. Do you think this is enough a case for the Fed to skip a rate hike tonight or early tomorrow Asian time. When will rates peak, though? 
Yeah, okay. So I think this is quite possible. Actually, mm. we look at future pricing already. I think it's pricing in a 90% chance of yep. a pause uh, tonight already. Um, but I think the bigger question is, will we get a, uh, a rate hike in June? And yeah. I think there is definitely a possibility. Um, but it's actually, at this point, it depends how we look at it. If we think that the inflation ahead is mainly driven by, let's say, energy prices, then I think this um, possibility could be quite possible. Um, but having said that, I think uh, it's something that's more of a wait and see from our perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think important to remind investors is that regardless whether they hike in Ju- July or not, um, that the anticipation is that rates will stay higher for longer, likely until the end of the year, um, unless somehow, let's just say, a U.S. goes into a kind of a more challenging recession, then maybe mm-hmm. might some stimulus come in. Um, and I think particularly from the stock perspective, um, we think that uh, even though if there is a rate hike ahead, that this probably won't dampen the mood uh, or the momentum for, for global equities. Um, but I remind investors that, you know, U.S. stocks or global stocks may still be in a bit of a melt-up type phase. Mm. Um, but when we look at the risk-reward right now, particularly a lot of clients chasing the upside in stocks, I think looking at short-term treasuries yielding over 5.3%, to me, the risk-reward is clearly in the bond space, much more in the equity space. Mm. The equity space can be much, much more selective. So I think that's something that we remind investors all the time. All right. Thanks a lot, Ken. That was Ken Shi, Head of Wealth Management, Greater China at Sexo Markets. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.